This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an official community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here again for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team, every single day of the week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, and wherever you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers. So if you did not get a question in this week, go ahead and at me for next week or DM me next week. But first, make sure to follow me at Julian Council on Twitter. Going to get to your questions here in a quick moment. Want to first apologize for the quality of Thursday's show. Um... So a lot of times we do the crossovers, we use different streaming services in terms of how we're going to record the show, and my Wi-Fi apparently wasn't great. I did not know that the signal was coming in spotty when I was speaking, so I apologize for the poor quality, because of course when you heard the beginning and ending, it sounded just fine, like it typically does. So apparently that happened, so sorry about that. Also, just looking across Carolina Panthers and the injury report, Davion Nixon has been placed on the injured reserve with a knee injury, so he'll miss at least the next three weeks. C.J. Henderson was a limited participant with a shoulder injury. Shaq Thompson, who's hoping to come back this week, spoke to the media on Thursday. He said he's not a big fan of the media because they always talk about the past, and he looked at one media member, not quite sure who it was. He was limited again with a foot, should play on Sunday. Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, also spoke to the media on Thursday. Not quite sure. Um, how much of a role he'll factor in, but I expect Shaq Thompson to make his return Thursday, sorry, Sunday afternoon in Atlanta. Terrace Marshall still dealing with a concussion, did not participate again on Thursday after being out on Wednesday, missing last week. Giovanni Ritchie, who was out with a concussion last week, is a full participant after being limited on Wednesday. Cam Irving, with a neck injury, missed last week with that and an illness, was a full participant both Wednesday and Thursday. Should be good to go back at left tackle. While Daryl Johnson... With the Panthers traded for to be a special teams ace, he did not participate on Thursday with a hamstring injury. Trent Scott dealing with a finger, but he's a full participant. And Matt Parrott is dealing with a back injury that's kind of crept up on him the last couple of seasons. Dealing, It was limited in practice on Thursday. I expect he'll probably be a go. We'll get the final kind of uh, thoughts on the injury report and the team heading into Atlanta on Sunday from Matt Rule. But before then, you guys are going to... Listen to this and listen. I'm going to answer some of your mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. We'll start off with Corinne, who says, hey, Julian, hope you're enjoying your Sunday despite the Panthers, which, yeah, 25 to three. Not great. Um, any chance for a quarterback trade before the deadline that isn't Deshaun Watson? Also, I haven't been a believer in rules since the start. I know he has this major deal, but how soon do you think we can kick him out? I'm ready to just blow it all up. Ha ha. Yeah, Corinne, just be a little bit patient. I'd say that to a lot of Panther fans. I saw Panthers culture, um, who's 
pretty big in Panthers Twitter, which is a, just a completely insane place the last couple of weeks. He was talking about all the additions that they had made recently and saying how this is not a rebuild and so it's a rebuild. It's like, okay, like you're completely turning over the roster from like two years ago. Like they are still trying to build up this team. Now getting off to a three and start was exciting and people wondered how real it was considering like the Jets and Texans are terrible teams and the circumstances that the Saints were playing with, with not having those coaches and also the injuries that they had. Like it was a very gettable game for the Panthers as they dominated that day. And we found out the last couple of weeks that they clearly weren't the top defense in the in the league and Sam Darnold wasn't, you know, a comeback player of the year candidate anymore after what we've seen the last four weeks. So I would just caution everyone to kind of take a deep breath. It's gonna be just okay. We'll find out next year whether Matt Rule really is the right candidate here in Carolina. But you asked that question in terms of like quarterback trades, like is anyone available? I also got another question from Blake asking about basically the same thing. Hey, Julian, another question for your mailbag. Do you think Mitch Trubisky would be a viable trade option for the Panthers? I don't know how much it would help us, but he, unlike Darnold, has had success with a average less bad offense and horrible coaching. Yes, Matt Nagy, a man that you should never trust. He's bald and wears a visor. What? What is that? We found out at least this season, now that Justin Fields is in there, even when Andy Dalton was operating the offense, that Matt Nagy has no idea what he's doing. And this should not have been something we just found out. Because it was apparent when you looked at his offense last year with Foles, and he gave over the play calling to Bill Lazor, and then everything looked great in the second half of the season. I mean, not great, but way better in the second half of the season with Mitch Trubisky at their quarter, as their quarterback, and then they go to the playoffs, and then, of course, lose to New Orleans in the wildcard round. Like Trubisky took that team to the playoffs. Twice, and it was a pro bowler. He was an alternate, but a pro bowler that year where they went 12-4 and four and won the division, and then they lost in the double doink to the Eagles in that wild card game in Chicago. And Matt Nagy's like, oh, the kicker's the reason why we didn't win the Super Bowl, which was like clearly not the case as his offense has deteriorated. And he didn't really go out there and get the strengths from Mitch Trubisky. And I love Mitch. I'm kind of a Mitch apologist because he's a Carolina guy. And the thing, too, is... Like, how does he lose his job, but then Ryan Pace gets a third chance at a quarterback? Well, really, a fourth chance? And then Nagy's still the head coach there in in, uh, Chicago. No, I don't think Mitch Trubisky, as a reclamation project, is what the Carolina Panthers should be doing. It's the same thing with Sam Darnold. He's way better than Sam Darnold, in my opinion. I just don't think he's ever going to lead the Carolina Panthers to the promised land. And what's the point of trying to give away more assets to salvage whatever is left of the season when the expectation going in should have never really been playoffs? Now, that's what they want to do. And some of the moves that they've made in season like Stephon Gilmore certainly are moves for now. But I still feel like this is a rebuilding team. They're trying to build some more. So I don't know what quarterbacks are out there. Nick Foles might be an option. Alex asked me. Hey, do you think the Panthers seek quarterback help before the deadline, just like Corinne asked? And he said Foles, Trubisky, Jimmy G, or Mariota would all be as good or better than Darnold. Maybe the guy who used to wear number one in Carolina. We'll get to him here shortly, too. A shell of the number one of old is better than what we got right now. And I don't necessarily disagree. Also, have a lot of questions on the the readiness of, of Ace Boogie Cam Newton if he were to come back to Carolina. Um, again, I'll talk about that here in a few because a lot of people have questions on Cam. Foles. Just the price to get him out of Chicago is just doesn't seem worth it to me. Like, and he's better than obviously he's a Super Bowl MVP and he's got that big Nick energy. I I love him. The well-endowed quarterback, but no, it's not gonna, I just don't see why they'd make that deal. Same thing with Trubisky. Like I just said, Jimmy G, he can't stay healthy. And I know the Niners want to get rid of him, but I also don't know 
what their situation like with Trey Lance is injured right now. It might be back on Sunday. Do they really want to get rid of Jimmy G right now? Then Mariota. Like, I really liked Marcus when I was covering the Titans back in, ten- in Nashville. And he, like, single-handedly beat the Chiefs the last season of Alex Smith in that wildcard game in Kansas City where he threw a touchdown to himself. Like, literally threw a touchdown pass to himself. Go look it up on YouTube. But Marcus is kind of just damaged goods. Like, I don't see any – like, all those guys are better than Sam Darnold. Like, two of them have taken their teams to the Super Bowl, um, and one of them has won it. And the other two have gone to the – like, all those guys have been to the playoffs. I just don't think the Panthers should be giving away assets at the deadline. They should be anything. They should be buy. They should be sellers. Excuse me. Like Josh Klein was saying on the podcast on Wednesday when he joined the show. Now with Cam Newton, got a a ton of Cam Newton questions here with the podcast, and I'm going to answer all of them here shortly after we take one more quick pause. This episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you can always look forward to stop out on a long road trip to rest your legs and to refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did someone say Locked On Panthers watch party? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Okay, let's get back into the mailbag questions here on a Friday on Locked on Panthers. Chris asks, hey, Julian, just want to say thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, Chris, for listening and appreciate that. He said, I was born and raised in Charlotte and was even a part of the Billy Graham opening ceremony for the Erickson Stadium. OG guy right here. Love your takes. Out of curiosity. I know it's far-fetched, but why is no one mentioning bringing in Cam Newton to provide a spark? Well, Chris... You're on Twitter because this is how I got your question. So I can't say you're living underneath the rock. I don't know who you follow, but Chris, plenty of people have been asking about whether Cam Newton should come back. He is recently vaccinated. He is unemployed and he wants back in the league. He's ripped and ready to go. Okay. So you say no one's, why hasn't anyone mentioned it? Okay. I have. Alex just asked before we took that pause. And now I got Jake who says, do you see any scenario where the Panthers give Cam a call to come finish out the season? If he came back and led us to the playoffs, I think I would actually cry, (laughs) which I mean, I would too, Jake. Uh, Justin said, I want Cam back. Wouldn't you rather have him than Darnold at this point? Yes. Uh, Ken says, so um, I'm not trying to panic, but our QB is bad. Whether Coach Rule believes it or not, what do you think are our options moving forward? Perfect world, Cam MVP, Cam VP, excuse me, hits the roster, but we all know that's unrealistic. And then Dan, or D Tucker, he's like, how about Cam now? Better than this trade talk of a guy who could be in prison. He puts in parentheses, probably. Recently vaccinated and has been keeping in shape. Tepper needs to bring in Superman to fix this disaster. 
So there are plenty of people, and this is not the first time this has been brought up to me that the Carolina Panthers should bring in Cam Newton. My mom even texted me earlier this week saying they got to bring back Cam. She's not even a Panthers fan anymore because she's upset about how they, the way they treated Cam and getting rid of him. Even though she was like, her and my dad went to the first Panthers game ever. Like she's an OG Panthers fan. She's like, get, I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to see Teddy Bridgewater. I want to see Sam Darnold, yada, yada, yada. Like I told my mother, who I love, and like I'm telling y'all, who I love, we are not living in reality if we believe the Carolina Panthers are going to bring back Cam Newton. Now, I could be wrong. I could get freezing cold Tate to Jupiter, and I'd be totally fine with it. But I just do not see any scenario where the Carolina Panthers decide they're going to bring in Cam Newton. I just don't. It would be awesome. The homecoming would be great. But as I've said in the past, the only time the Carolina Panthers should bring back Cam Newton is for when it's time to put him into the Ring of Honor or Hall of Honor, whatever the hell it's called. That's the only time the Carolina Panthers should invite him back. Of course, when he's retired as well, and he should be coming back here. And hopefully, I don't know where he, I think he probably resides in Atlanta area. But it'd be nice to have Cam back in a part of this organization, but not as a player. I love Cam. Last season, he wasn't given really a great opportunity to have success in New England just based off of, you know, pandemic season. Comes in, what gets signed in June, early July. Didn't get much time to operate, the learn the offense from Josh McDaniels. And then to be able to get, a, you know, continuity of his receivers and the guys around him. Which also the roster in New England was really bad last year. Didn't get that. Now, that Sunday night football game in Seattle, he looked awesome. Looked like the old Cam. Then he gets covid And he's never the same. Ran the football well, and I remember people never wanting to count his rushing stats, but he can still run the ball, which is awesome. But throwing-wise, the shoulder, it's a huge concern. You got to think back to also the former training staff and team doctor, Ryan Vermillion, who had the DEA bust into his office and drag him out of the facility up there in Washington with the football team. Uh, He misdiagnosed what was Graham Gano's condition, which caused Gano a season. And you got to imagine that they absolutely botched and not just imagine they absolutely botched cam's shoulder issues and playing him at the end of that season week 17 in tampa made no sense at all and everything that went into that like you have to wonder where cam newton would be now had all that not gone the way it went all that being said i just don't know where he is physically I i want cam to go somewhere and i want him to flourish i just don't think for the carolina panthers it makes sense to bring in Cam Newton right now. I, I would love for it to happen because it'd be fun. I just don't see them wanting to do that because they wanted Cam. Like they, what I said all along is they should have brought him back last season, had no guaranteed money. And there's a question of whether Cam would have played on an expiring deal if he wanted extra money, all that kind of stuff. They could have done, like, it'd put like a dummy year and then still cut him after the season and if they didn't like what they saw from him in 2020. So. I just don't like they they got pride. I just I think they want to move on. Now, here's the thing, like Luke Keekley, if he ever is healthy, he's not going to come back to play for the Carolina Panthers. They are moving on the old regime of, of, of Rivera and the cams and Luke's and Greg Olson, who's still going to be around and and guys like that, like they are moving forward. And I suggest that all of you should also move forward. Like Cam Newton coming back to Carolina is not going to happen. It could never say never. But as Mike Tomlin said, never. Okay, um, speaking of quarterbacks and the one we have here, David wants to know, should the Panthers just cut Darnold now? No, they should not do that. By cutting Sam Darnold, 
it's going to just kill them in terms of just dead cap. Like, they are stuck with this dude. The only way to get rid of his cap hit next season of $18.858 million is by trading him. They If they cut him, that money goes on their dead cap. They don't earn any sort of salary cap relief at all by cutting Sam Darnold. This is the decision that they made. They talk about, we're going to treat him like this is his rookie year. If that's the case, then Sam Darnold's going to be back next year, right? Doubt it, because the guy upstairs, David Tepper, is not going to allow that to happen. So, no, they shouldn't just cut Sam Darnold. They should figure a way how to coach him and get him to stop doing all these stupid things he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, Nick, he says, so I know you said you wouldn't be comfortable with Watson, but what if we went after Rodgers and drafted a quarterback to develop behind him? What would it take to sign Rodgers? Well, I'm not necessarily uncomfortable with the whole Watson thing. Like if he didn't have the 22 allegations and then I would be totally fine with the Carolina Panthers going out there and trading for him. But we're behind that. We're past that for now. I'm sure that'll be a topic conversation in the off season. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. So at this point in his career, like green Bay, after everyone was freaking out week one, when they got just their doors blown off of them in Jacksonville, when they played the saints, they won six straight games. And it seems like everything's, great up there right now. I don't know what he wants to do, whether he wants to go back to Green Bay. Devontae Adams is someone who is also kind of waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers does in terms of what he's going to do with his upcoming contract situation there in Green Bay or elsewhere. But Aaron Rodgers is going to go to a place where he thinks he's going to win. And I'm just sorry, looking at the situation here in Carolina through 23 games of rule, what would make him believe that he's going to come here to Carolina and have success? So it's not like Green Bay. I don't know. I, I don't really understand. I don't know what the contract deal is, like whether they're going to like he'll be a free agent after the season or they have to trade him wherever he wants to go. I just like with Matthew Stafford, like he didn't want to come to Carolina. I can't see Aaron Rodgers being like, yeah, I'm going to go there, a place that hasn't been to the playoffs since 2017. It's not like they're the Bucks. And they, they could maybe they could be like Tampa Bay last year where you add in a guy like Tom Brady. I just still don't think the skill position players are at the same level of Tampa Bay's and the defense is very good. Um but I don't mean I don't know if they're as proven as the Tampa Bay defense and also the coaching staff. Like they have Bruce Arians down there. And they got Byron Leftwich and they have Todd Bowles. Carolina Panthers don't really have any proven coaches on their staff as far as the National Football League goes. So I don't even know if it's a similar situation there. I don't know what it would take to sign Aaron Rodgers, but it would probably take, you know, turning things around and showing to him that, hey, we're ready to go next season. So I don't know. We'll see how that situation plays out. I just don't think that's a a situation that Aaron Rodgers necessarily wants to step into as it pertains to the Carolina Panthers. All right. Going to take another quick pause here. Then got God, I got a ton of mailbag questions here. Not sure I'm going to get to all of them this week, but I get to more of them here in just a moment. I tell you guys pretty much every week, three to four times a week about how Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. Another great thing about Built Bar, there are so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, 
coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. And this month, Built Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, got quite a few questions here. Not sure I'm going to get to all of them. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can without going too long today. Uh, Russell, he says, do you feel Matt Rule is in an NFL coach for life with the Panthers in an untenable spot and with jobs like LSU and Penn State soon to be open? I'm wondering if he may get the itch to return to college ball. I don't know. Here's the thing with the NFL. I mean, Matt Rule is on a seven-year, $60 million deal. I don't know how patient David Tepper is going to be. Like with Mike Tomlin, when Carson Palmer went on the Dan Patrick show on Monday and floated out his name as a guy that, you know, USC might try and target. That was one of those things where it's like, why would he leave Pittsburgh? He's won a Super Bowl there. He's never had a losing season. The Rooney family have only had, what, three coaches like the last 40, 50 years. Like they're not. They're very patient. And the Steelers are one of the winning, like the second, what, the one of the winningest pro, um, franchises in the NFL. The only franchise that has more Super Bowls than them is New England. Like they are like the beacon of what you want to be in a national football league and David Tepper comes from a place like that and you'd hope he'd be patient so did Jimmy Haslam and you've seen how things have gone up in Cleveland with the Browns and he's also one of those crazy Tennessee boosters so you look at what goes up in Rocky Top the last 15 years you wouldn't have much confidence but David Tepper I don't really know what his patience level is going to be with this head coach the guy that he gave all this money for and he's talked about he's a program builder I don't think he's going to get rid of him this year. Like if they go three and 14, then I, I think all bets are off. Maybe that could happen. And then next season, if they don't go to the playoffs, maybe, but like, I don't know. I don't know if he's an NFL, NFL coach for life, but what I do know is typically guys who go to the NFL typically stay until the NFL is done with them. Like college coaches that have tried and failed like Spurrier had great success at, at a uh, university of Florida, of course, where he's a Heisman trophy winner. They got a statue for him, national championship head coach. Then he goes to red, the Redskins as they were called back then. Mm. Didn't work out. Goes to South Carolina. Has a great career there at a place where they literally had never won anything at the University of South Carolina. So, like, he rolled up there. So, like, Matt Rule, I don't think the NFL is, like, necessarily done with him just yet. But if he does, like, flame out this season, then he probably would be done. And there are great jobs available. LSU. Uh, I don't know if LSU would really be targeting Rule. He's never worked in the SEC. Uh, doesn't have, like, those ties to Louisiana. Like, he did. He was at Baylor. But I just, I don't know if that's really a fit. Penn State is where he played at. Now, James Franklin, who a lot of folks think wants wants to take the USC job and could be a candidate down at LSU. They started off 5-2 and two at Penn State, and they've now lost two straight, including an ugly nine-overtime loss on Saturday against Illinois. They got Ohio State on Saturday. They're going to get the doors blown off of him again of them against Ohio State. Excuse me, as I'm trying to talk, that's 5-3. and three. They still have Michigan on the schedule and Michigan State. Penn State, what they finished like seven and five or eight and four. Do you think USC or LSU are going to hire him after that? Probably not. So I don't know if Penn State is exactly going to be open. I don't think he's an NFL coach for life, but I don't think he's going to run up, run to college football right away like Joe Klatt, um, Joel Klatt, excuse me, who said that on the Colin, on the Colin Cowherd show, I think on Tuesday. All right. Cardin Gnome, he said, would you agree that given the inexperience his coaching staff has, they deserve the chance to prove they can overcome the current adversity. It's year two into their tenure. I think they deserve more time being before being written off. I'd say this is a crucial piece of development as NFL coaches. I'd rather them have to learn now in year two than a few years down the road. I agree. 
I continue to say, like, the way that Matt Rule teams go, like, hey, guys, they've already won three games this year. They won on Sunday against Atlanta. They're back to 500, and they're one game below their win total from a year ago. Do you really think that they're only going to win one more game the rest of the season after that? Like, they're going to probably get to, like, seven wins. Will they get to eight? I don't know. But they're going to get to, like, seven or eight wins, which is right where I thought they would be, and we had talked about throughout the offseason. That's improvement. You look at the defensive side of the ball. They are marketedly improved from what they were where they were last year. Like, they have gotten better. Quarterback and offensive line, two areas that they need to fix. Special teams, they got to fix that. But they are clearly, they're in a better place now than they were a year before. Like, this is still a build, whether you like that or not. And this, the 3-0 start was the worst thing that could have happened because it got people's expectations all out of whack. And, like, I ta- we had talked about it through the offseason. I remember I talked to my buddies back in the summer. I was like, yeah, they're going to go 3-0, and it's going to be terrible because people are going to freak out and, like, think that this is, like, a team that's better than they are. And now, I mean, there's been some head-scratching losses the last couple of weeks against the Eagles and Giants, but just shows you that the Panthers are a middling team. They're not just – they're not there yet. So, And the coaching staff is not there yet. So, yeah, give them some time to fix things. And really, I think next season, like I've said, is where the evaluation really should start when it comes to Matt Rule. Like, okay, it's year three. This is where we need to see it. If you don't see it, then you can really be like, all right, not quite sure – this is the guy here in Carolina, but he got a seven year, $60 million deal. Like that's Tepper's money to eat. He has enough money to eat it, but you think he's ready to give up right away. I don't know. Don't get the quarterback wrong though. I'll tell you that, Matt. All right. Um, another one, Kevin said, Hey Julian, hope you had a good week. I'm wondering what you think rule and the coaches believe can change in terms of Sam Darnold's play going forward. His footwork is awful. He has little to no pocket presence and he consistently passes up open receivers to throw into traffic. What can they realistically hope for, if anything, to get better with coaching up? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Love listening to the podcast. Thanks, Kevin. I mean, just getting him back to the things that made him comfortable the first three weeks of the season. Like, it's because I heard Joe Brady talk to um, the media on Thursday, and he just said, like, yeah, I watched, like, film with Sam, and I, like, showed him, like, the New Orleans game. I was like, okay, let's get back to this. Like, get back to just being, like, making you know, better decisions and taking what's available for you there. And he kind of like, didn't really have an answer. And people ask like, Hey, there's open receivers. He's missing them. It's like, how do you get him to process it? It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, it's really hard to answer. It's like, I don't really know. Cause if I knew that, then we wouldn't have the issues we've had the last four weeks with Sam Donald. I realistically don't know. Like the fundamentals, like with his footwork and not, not match, matching the route concepts like that. It's just day one stuff that an NFL starting quarterback who's in his fourth year, should be able to figure out. And like the fact that he's not able to do that, I just, I don't really know. He's never had great pocket presence, even back in New York. And I understand the offensive line situations here and there. It's just not going to come. He just is who he is. He's an inconsistent quarterback. And I, Jake DeLome, I heard him on the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio when I was driving around the other night. And he made a really good point of just, you know, back when he, you know, wasn't a quarterback, people were a lot patient with quarterbacks and giving these guys to learn and grow. And, it took him, what, seven years playing in NFL Europe as well, being a backup in New Orleans, even getting an opportunity here in Carolina where he wasn't even a starter <laughs> that opening day of the 2003 season. Rodney Pete had to go out there and be terrible in the first half for him to even get the opportunity. But he just talked about, like, it took him years before he got the chance. And even when he was a starter, like, he was a Pro Bowler one year, and then he was, like, pretty average if you really go back and think about it. But he's beloved because of that run and also how well he played in the playoffs. And still the Bojangle commercials and the Cajun acts and, like, Jake DeLome loved the guy. Well, just be honest. He was an average quarterback. Um, but, yeah, like, he brings up a good point. Like, hey, you would love for these guys to learn and grow. But, like, Sam Donald's had – this is his fourth year in the league. Like, when's it going to come? 
I just don't think it's ever going to come for him. Um, and maybe they give him another opportunity next year. I just don't see the guy upstairs, Dave Tepper, being down for that. All right, let's see. Got Mark said, hey, Julian, thank you for your insight, passion, and being right on Darnold. I couldn't agree more about him. We hope, but we but he reverted to form. Friday mailbag question for you. If you are our GM, which I'm not, uh, since no quarterback in college is really standing out, I have a feeling your first couple picks would go O-line, which free agent quarterback, if any, would you target in free agency? Thanks, man. Keep up the great work and keep pounding. Yeah, well, I'm Scott Fitterer, yes. I mean, the first pick's got to be an offensive lineman, right? Uh, the fix that, cause that's the situation. They got to fix that. And I don't know how high they're going to be. Like if they continue to stink, like Evan Neal at Alabama, that mammoth of a, of a human being would be an, uh, an option. I don't think, I don't know that they're going to fall that far. I, I, I doubt it. Um, yeah, but in that being offensive line, but they don't have any picks outside of that in the top 100. They'll have one. So trying to trade back into me pretty hard to do without having to give up future assets, which is what they're going to probably have to do. The Carolina Panthers. There's not really any free agent quarterbacks out like Rodgers. If he becomes free agent would be somebody I'd target the Russell Wilson situation, something to monitor, especially if Scott used to be there in Seattle and Russell's now injured. And I don't know if he's not hundred percent happy about the new coordinator up there and how the offense was looking before he got injured. Maybe they could trade for Russell Wilson, which I think would make a lot of folks here happy, especially the state fans. I know y'all hated Russell for a little bit there. Carolina Panther fans. Cause of that, rivalry the Panthers had with the Seahawks before they were able to finally get over the hump in 2015. Russell Wilson would be a nice uh, addition here. Um, and another question here from Tanner, which kind of goes along the lines of just like the the general manager deal in uh, Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule. He says, I understand JC looked really good in limited action. It could end up being a very good player. But how bad does it look now on Rule and Fitterer that they pass on Rashawn Slater and he looks like a dominant left tackle in San Diego, but he what he meant is Los Angeles with the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert's the guy who really had a bad offensive line play behind his rookie year there with the Chargers. They go out and they guys like Corey Lindsley, and then they also draft uh, Rashawn Slater in the first round, and that offensive line looks great. The Chargers look like a fantastic team and maybe could be a Super Bowl contender this year where the Super Bowl's hold, held there right at home. They could be playing their, their home mates <laughs> in the Los Angeles Rams in that game at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, it looks bad. I was not necessarily a huge Slater guy because there was kind of talks of like, is does he have the arm length? And that's kind of a concern about Brady Christensen as well. But does he have the arm length? Is he tr- is he a true left tackle or is he more of a guard? Is he playing the right side? Like I wanted a true left tackle like a Panay Sewell. Who's gotten off to a slow start, but I think is going to be great in the league playing up there in Detroit for Dan Campbell, who's an offensive line coach too. So he's going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look great considering like, that Slater's played well in like Horn's injury, but Horn looks like a really good player. And one of their concerns, as they mentioned, was being able to get off the field on third down, which they have not done well the last couple weeks in terms of as they get later into the game. And Phil Snow brought that up to the media on Thursday. It doesn't make him look good when he was there and your rookie corners out and you have a plethora of corners where it looks like you didn't even need to draft J.C. Horn after getting Stephon Gilmore trading for C.J. Henderson, the way Bouye has played so far. Same thing with Dante Jackson. It's like... You guys got a surplus there, a cornerback, and it didn't really look like they needed to do that, even though I really like what I've seen from J.C. Horn. All right, a couple more. Sam said, love the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Listen daily. Looking back on this past season for agency, do you think we could have, we possibly could have made the wrong move not paying Curtis Samuel and paying Robbie Anderson? Well, Robbie didn't get extended until before the season, um, and they also had to figure out things with Taylor Moten, and 
Darren Gant at Panthers.com really did a good job of explaining this when he had an article with Samir Suleiman, who's the cap guy here in Carolina, where Suleiman was telling him, we really have space just to either kind of franchise tag or re-sign Moten or sign Curtis Samuel. It was going to be very difficult for them to do both which obviously they did not. So I don't know if they made a mistake moving on for Curtis Samuel. You have to also recognize that Curtis Samuel has played like, what, one game for the Washington football team so far this season. I'm not saying he would have the same injury issue here in Carolina, but if he would not have been available, it would have been basically the same thing of what we've seen from Robbie Anderson so far this season. So I don't know if they made a mistake. They didn't really have room to do that. Another one here in terms of moves that the Panthers made, Will asks, hey, Julian, hope you are having a good one. I am, Will, hope you are as well. Do you think the Panthers got robbed in the Denzel Perryman trade? He currently leads the league in solo and assisted tackles. Well, that was, what, a six-round pick? They sent to the Vegas, um, giving or they got from Vegas, to, uh, giving away Denzel Perryman. I don't know if they get ro- got robbed. I don't think they expected this. Like, culturally, it didn't seem like a great fit. Where I mean, the guy was injured throughout the entirety of training camp. And then he comes to Spartanburg with a speeding ticket. He talked about he's not going to get vaccinated when the majority of the team's vaccinated. The only other guy who wasn't, it was John Miller. And I guess there's one other we don't know about who may or may not still be on the roster right now. So that didn't really seem like a great, it just didn't, he didn't fit here. And he's played well in Las Vegas. But the thing is too, like he lost his starting job. They could have used him the last couple of weeks. But after that, like he wouldn't have stayed as a starter. Maybe they would have moved to main court, but Chad Thompson was going to be the, the guy on the field here. Uh, at, at middle linebacker. And so I just didn't really think he had a, a place. But yeah, you look at it now, you would have loved to gotten more from him considering what he was able to do so far. But it wasn't like he was a high-priced free agent anyway. So the compensation that they got away from Las Vegas still kind of made sense at the time. And even now probably makes sense when you kind of actually take an o- a g- inventory of what the whole situation was back then. All right. Uh, Eric asks, hey, Julian, appreciate you coming up. With the pod and trying times. <laughs> I'm not going to quit guys. I, I it's, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy the feedback and it, it is what it is. Like they're not winning. It's not that big of a deal. They went on Sunday or back to 500 and the good vibes are sort of back. He says with the trade deadline approaching, are there any moves you would be open to? I have seen with Zach Wilson hurt, maybe Morgan Moses as an offensive tackle option, or maybe even the most well endowed <laughs> quarterback in the league, Nick Foles, or should we just write it out and likely end with another top 10 pick, write it out. Absolutely. Write it out or sell, but not don't buy. I just they got the, the defensively. They got good players. They've given up way too many picks uh, for the upcoming draft. You got to just got to hope the quarterback plays better. Like this is the bet that they made. Now you got to lay in it, unfortunately. But no, do not do not buy any more players. Just sell, sell, sell. And then if they get to the top 10, they get to the top 10. And, you know, it's not like we're not used to being there. Eric's another Eric said, help. I. Help, I understand our O-line is in shambles, but how? Uh, they signed Pat Ofline and Cam Irving in the first hour of free agency. Um, speaking of Cam Irving, Mitch asked, if Irving is back, Christensen could go to right guard maybe. Matt Rule said that guys like Trent Scott, Dennis Daly, and Brady Christensen would all get a look at right guard for Sunday afternoon. Uh, so I have no idea who's going to start there. I'm sure there will be the media will ask um, later today on Friday, but I have no idea. But yes, he will. he could go to right guard. But like Matt had, he said the other day too, like I think it was Wednesday when he spoke to the media, he's like, we did not want to play our rookies early. As you saw, he had to play Brady early. And he's also like, as you saw, didn't really go that great against Philadelphia or New or, or New York. So I understand people want to see Christensen, maybe give him more time and stop trying to rush a rookie into going out there and being just as bad, if not worse than everyone else on the offensive line. And final question here from Max 
Hey, Julian, I was wondering if you had any insight about why we stopped lining DJ Moore up in the backfield on passing downs. It seemed to work well when we did it against the Cowboys. Max, I do not. I'm not in the offensive meeting rooms. Um, and I think teams are really, I, I, maybe that's something they should try and get back to. I just, I have no idea. I can't really answer that question for you, but I appreciate the question either way. Okay, that wraps up another edition here of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on Spotify. You can follow us there. Also on Odyssey, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to all of your favorite podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Friday, like today, I'll answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. But first... Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Okay, guys, appreciate it again for listening to the show. I'm headed up to South Bend. My Tar Heels are playing against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'll be back very early Sunday morning in time to watch the Panthers against the Falcons. So look out for the pod at 6 p.m. there on Sunday, unless my dad can get me those Game 5 World Series tickets to go watch my Braves. So fingers crossed. Pray for me. Pray for the Panthers. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you all on Sunday or Monday or whenever you listen to my reaction pod. Have a safe weekend. Take care.